Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Episode 57 of Unplugged and Undeniable. My name is Jesse Velasquez. My guest today is a fellow Minneapolis native, Mr. Roy Boudreau. Welcome to said show. Thanks, Jesse. What's going on, team? What is going on, team? It's a sunny day outside. A little bit cool, though. (laughs) It is. It is sunny. I think we're all feeling much better after this week has been like snow and rain and just cloudy and terrible. So we're all feeling pretty good. All us Seattle North. Honestly, I feel like that's the way things are going. <laughs> we'll take it. Whatever. It's fine. And as you're hearing this, I'm sure it's likely the same. Probably 45 and a little bit rainy. <laughs> A little bit. So, Croy, I would like you to give the audience a little Cliff Notes version of who you are. Yes, that's a good question. I feel like I have no name recognition. So, um, my name's Croy Boudreau. Um, I am 30 years old from Minneapolis. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I actually went to South High School, not with Jesse. Jesse's a little bit older than me, although if you would have us in the same room together, you'd think we're the same age because Jesse just looks that good. So <laughs> all the water in the world, folks, <laughs> stay hydrated, y'all. Um, yeah. So I um, did my undergraduate at the University of Minnesota with in kinesiology. So, you know, fitness has been a part of my life for a very long time. And kind of like my degree was kind of an ex- extension of that. I am currently pursuing my graduate degree from Control University in sport management. So a little bit more administrative, um, definitely a little bit more uh, math, which I'm not great at. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah. No finance and, and all those things and, and law and all that. Um, but yeah, I've been working in the group fitness industry and, and the fitness industry in general since 2013, 2014. Um, I had a buddy of mine, Aaron, shout out Aaron. Um, there's a lot of people named Aaron. So, <laughs> but it was one specific Aaron. He was, uh, he, um, we had played rugby with him. And at one point in one of our anatomy classes, he was like, Crow, you should apply for this, uh, this like personal training certification at the University of Minnesota. And so I started working at the rec center. And that was back in like 2013, 2014. And it's been eight years since. So here I am. I completely forgot that you played rugby. I did not well, but um, I did. I was fast. That counts for something. But yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been good. I've been uh, I've worked at I've coached CrossFit, uh, Olympic weightlifting. I, I currently coach at Orange Theory Fitness in St. Louis Park. So coach do group fitness there. Um, I've been doing that for about six years now. Um, it's been awesome. I met a lot of people, um, and yeah, it's been it's been great. Every day is a treat. You were one of the <laughs> uncrowned king of the playlists. That is for sure. I want it known to everybody listening that I play bangers and nothing but bangers all the time. Uh, so every Wednesday is hip hop hump day. So keep that in mind. And then most of the stuff, you know, if we're playing group fitness, like if anybody hasn't done orange theory, it's, it's, you know, it's very like, you've got, you get it's a little, little more cardio based, but there's also weight training, things like that too. But you have people running for long periods of time. And so I try to have more upbeat things and I have a love of like house music, um, from stemming from, like my college old college roommate 
shout out Jackson. Most of what I say, I'm just going to be shouting out people just so you know, <laughs> shout out Jackson for getting me hooked on house. Um, and so like, I, I really love that kind of stuff. And so I play that in class and people seem to like it. So I'm okay with that. They absolutely do. Final question on this topic. Does Sandstorm ever sneak into your playlist? You know, here's the deal. Uh, not lately, but if I ever play like a themed, like if I would do like a 90s or 80s, God, I forget when Sandstorm came out. Um, I remember when it was a meme. <laughs> but I think um, I I definitely, uh, I'll throw it in there just for you, Jesse. I, yes, I have fond memories of that song from all the times I've heard it in a, in a class setting to parties to the walkout to Vanderlei Silva in UFC. Shout out to that guy. To Root Sandstorm is a walkout song? I love that. I love that for him. He was an incredible mixed martial artist. I should have retired a couple years sooner than he did. Most of them, though, I think prolonged their career a little bit too long. Might be all they know. <laughs> yeah. anyway, one could say. One could say. Like most of us should retire sooner than we do. But <laughs> for the love of the game, yes. But when yeah. skills start to erode, find something else. Or as you are continuing on your journey, what you're doing, find another hobby. And then when you leave said, leave, you leave said occupation, take up said hobby and you're good to go. That is very interesting. And uh, as what I'm dealing with a lot when I, in, in my current sport management field is, is understanding, uh, okay, well, the average NFL career, the average this and that career is about three, four years. And uh, how do you prepare people for life outside of that? And so, um, yeah, that's something I'm very interested in. So I'm glad you brought it up. You mentioned the math piece to sports management. Where do you see yourself going with that degree when you were finished? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I probably got about eight months. Um, what I'm done, I, I love youth development as well. That's something I'm very passionate about. So I don't know exactly kind of what, uh, is out there as far as, you know, like working with a university or professional organization to run like specific sport, like youth development camps. I think that's really important. Um, especially like getting kids confidence and getting kids, you know, just, uh, life skills at that young age. Um, I've always been a kind of a fan of sport doing that for, for kids, teaching leadership and teaching how to cooperate with others um, and teaching like how to persevere through adversity. And so that's something really I'm really passionate about. Haven't been involved with it too much as of yet, um, but long-term, I think that's around where I see myself. Um, I also have some opportunities to do like, some more marketing and things like that too. So that's definitely something that's in my radar. From a sports perspective, will you niche and hit one sport specifically, or are you going to try to branch out and go into multiple avenues there? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like I think developing rugby in the United States would be really fun for me. I don't know how that, I know USA rugby, uh, don't quote me on this. Well, I'm already, it's, oh, it's too late, but <laughs> I know that I know that they've had issues, um, in, in the past, just kind of getting youth involved and like how to, like how to then progress the youth sport into teenage and then, and then, you know, amateur then professional and how that's gone. But as of now, there is a major league rugby, um, in, in the United States. Uh, I played with a, a guy in college who plays for the San Diego Legion, shout out Nate Augsburger. Great job. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, um, that, that'd be really something cool is if I could work with kids in, in that regard, but definitely um, not, you know, not uh, strictly rugby. I'd definitely like to branch out to, to reach more people. Rugby from on the youth level going forward, is it kind of frowned upon to start at an early age? Is it looked at as kind of like a, like football without the pads? Is it little people are apprehensive to jump into it? I think people probably are. I think, I mean, the thing is, is injuries happen in rugby too. Um, it, although that like 
when you're when you're not I think the argument has been for a while that if you're not using a helmet you're not using pads you're less likely to just throw yourself at people which I think is true in a lot of ways so usually rugby has more to do with form tackling um so you kind of you teach the right way uh, you also aren't um the you, there are penalties for what's called a high tackle right you can't tackle like above the shoulders can't tackle above this or that so you are kind of and you can't you have to wrap up right you can't just shoulder check a dude into the stands right you can't do those that kind of things so the rules kind of do go against it however i mean injuries still happen people still get concussions like it's still a problem um but i think that it's probably a little bit safer than maybe in football growing up but you know, as new research comes out with like CTE, things like that, repeated head, you know, head hits and stuff like that. You never really know. So final question on rugby. Did you ever play against any Samoan teams? I played against Samoan dudes, but like, not like full on uh, teams. Um, but I have a, I have a fun picture of a rugby tournament and um, was it like 2015 or 20, no earlier than that. But anyways, yeah, we played, you know, a bunch of guys from, I think it was Northwestern college, not, not in uh not, not university, not in Evanston, but like a Northwestern college. And they're all just fucking disconnect swear. Sorry. Uh, okay. They're, they're all just like massive human beings and <laughs> just getting swallowed up by one of them. So just like, yeah, those, those guys are on another level. Um, and I think like a lot of these like island nations and a lot of specific areas, I mean, you talk about New Zealand, obviously is like the cream of the, like the best of the best. Um, but you have like rugby sevens, which is a faster kind of play on rugby. It's still rugby, but it's just different rules, things like that. Seven players rather than 15, much shorter games. Uh, like Fiji, for instance, is one of the best teams in the world. And, you know, that's their national sport is like rugby sevens. Um, so you have a lot of these like smaller island nations that maybe don't have like the same, you know, resources as like United States would or, or what have you. And uh, yeah, they dedicate themselves to rugby. So a lot of the people that come from there are just really, really kind of on another level. So different cultures specialize in it. But yeah, the growth in America would be pretty sweet to see. Maybe it's something else that we can dominate at in two decades. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing is you know, our best athletes play, you know, you know football and, and, and basketball, things like that too. And, um, and other sports as well. Right. And so it's like, it's just not quite in the cards as of yet, but um, yeah, it's probably going to get there eventually if given the right, you know, marketing and, and development on the grassroots level. And that one transcendent figure that could be the poster man or woman to get rugby off the ground in the United States. It's going to be me. Let's go. <laughs> Making a comeback. 30 years old, broken knees. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, fitness. So yeah. I guess before we get into the, the love affair with fitness, did you, is this something, let's say everybody has something from like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that this is what I want to do when I grow up. Maybe I want to be a firefighter. What did you want to be when you were in kindergarten? Marine biologist, like many people, <laughs> marine biologist actually just saw it like, um, I, like most people just browse Instagram for too long, looking at memes. Um, and there was this one, it was like, it was, it was like something about like, why do 80, why do all eighties kids or like nineties kids want to be marine biologists when they grow up? And there's like a, a picture of like Lisa Frank, like a Lisa Frank folder, or it's like, if you don't know what Lisa Frank is, Google search, it's just like the brightest, beautiful, like rainbow colors. And there's just like dolphins splashing everywhere. It's like, that's why we wanted to be marine biologists. Um, that, yeah, that was what I wanted to do. I used to love, uh, sharks. Like I, I was, and it was, it was kind of a, a double-edged sword because I loved sharks and I loved like learning about them. And, but then like, I would go into the fucking like 
pool and I'd be like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. Like <laughs> there's, there's sharks in here. I swear to God. And so I, I like, I loved learning about sharks. But like the more I did, the more I was terrified of any open water, regardless of where it was. Uh, so yeah, marine biologist was not for me apparently. Cause I just couldn't get in the water without being scared to death. Scared straight in a different yeah. way. So now from the marine biologist path that you envisioned when you were in kindergarten to the fitness industry, where you are right now, how did that love story start? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up with an older brother. Uh, my brother, Remy, is about three years older than me. Um, so he, uh, you know, when, when he was growing up, he would lift weight with some buddies in, in the house. And, you know, we had like a, a weight bench that was basically made out of PVC pipe in the basement. Like it wasn't actually PVC, but might as well have been, right? It's like one of those really jank setups that you've got. Like you've got kind of like mismatching dumbbells, things like that. But I'd watch that, you know, him and his friends work out and like any young brother like like yet any younger brother like young kid of that age you want to be like your older brothers older siblings right that you kind of look up to them and so like i kind of wanted to start lifting weights as well um so that was kind of how it started um i also used to watch a lot of like shonen anime as a kid and if you don't know what shonen is it's basically just like anime that's marketed towards like teenage boys right so it's like there's a lot of like training and like fighting and like you're trying to get stronger to like you know, protect your friends and family. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get stronger, protect my friends and family. Like for, from what, I don't know. I think like, I thought every week they were going to get mugged or something. <laughs> so I was like, I got to be able to fight the muggers off. Like, but that was kind of like why I started lifting. Um, and then like, if you, I don't know if like you guys like Dragon Ball Z is kind of like the, the, the staple, right. Growing up with, and it was kind of like, you know, you just have uh, you know, these dudes in like, you know, karate uniforms or, or what have you and geese and they're just absolutely jacked and have huge muscles. Right. And they're just like 0% body fat <laughs> and, they're, and they're just beating the shit out of each other. And I was like, that's what I want to look like. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to get and, and fight my friends. <laughs> See you stronger. I don't know. Did you ever go over 9,000 at any given point in time? You know, I feel like there was a couple of times went over 9,000, um, but very brief, very briefly. And the scouters all broke and Vegeta was yelling at me. And that was, <laughs> that was the end of that. You played multiple sports growing up as well outside of rugby. There was baseball. Is there anything else I'm missing? Uh, I mean, baseball was my sport growing up. I was best at it. And I think uh, I, I, I played football as well. Um, wasn't super great at that. I mean, I was always kind of small. Um, I mean, I was like 140 pounds in high school. So it was like, you know... <laughs> So like, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I'd play football and all the running backs are better than me. Right. But I was like the only position I could play, but all the running backs are better than me. But like, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe I had like the it factor, right. I had like the Rudy factor or some shit going on. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I want to get in there. And so our, our coach, uh, Lenny Sedlock at South would like put me in at fullback and, uh, he had the strongest min like Minnesota next day. Croy, go get in there. Fullback, go play. Go, go black, go black 25. So, um, shout out sedlock so i'd like and they'd put me in a fullback and i'm like 140 pounds and i try to block these linebackers that like you know i'd like that went to north and they're all like fucking 200 pounds <laughs> throw me on they just throw me on the ground um so yeah i wasn't very good at football um baseball is my sport much better at that uh and then i played basketball briefly like parkboard but uh lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pretty shitty at that too, to be honest. I had no handles. I was just very fast and aggressive and I would just like foul people. And they had to, like, I was kind of like the guy that took the fouls for the team so that no one else had to foul. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I had mono one year and I bowled for South. Uh, wasn't very good at bowling either. So, and that was about it, man. I, you know, and, and like a lot of kids growing up, I mean, my parents for all the issues we had growing up were really good about getting me involved in, in athletics. And so even when I wasn't um, playing like a sport, at a team I was doing, you know, I would do like tennis classes, uh, you know, um, urban tennis, like I would be doing, uh, you know, just playing like soccer with friends. Like I never played soccer on a team, but I played a lot with friends just outside. And so I was always kind of being active in those sports, even if I wasn't really didn't know the rules. Um, I have often forgot the rules of football too, like a lot. So <laughs> I wasn't super great at remembering those things. What rules did you forget in American football? The holding uh, aspect, like what? Yeah, roughing, the, roughing the kicker, roughing the punter. Uh, yeah, I uh, I fucking leveled a punter one time, and I was and like the the ref threw the flag, and I was like, so it, if you guys don't know what football, like you can't like if it, on a fourth down if some of the team is punting, you can't interfere with the kicker, right? Um, and I just like leveled him. <laughs> and of course he wasn't expecting it. And the rest of the flag. And I was like, wait, no, that was like a second after the, the kick. I was thinking it was like, like, like a quarterback where it's like, you kind of like hit him after the pass a little bit, you know, like maybe a little bit a second. And that just wasn't the rule. And I was like, 17 years old. So, <laughs> so the one time that your football team gets an opportunity to maybe put some points on the board, you decide to go rough the punter. Yeah. Again, wasn't good at football. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why I was like fifth string, you know, and he said there's a name from the past. Al Howard was the coach when I was there. I think Sedlock was maybe a year or two after I graduated. Yeah. He was, and he was still there after I graduated too. So it's been, it's been a hot minute. He's uh, he's got some staying power there. Yeah. There are a lot of coaches all across the city that have pretty long tenures at their, I said, schools yeah 100 man shout out to the minneapolis hockey team by the way for making this a tournament hey there we go minneapolis hockey this was well, back when jesse well i mean like this was different for you when you were younger but when i was in high school we had uh we had for a while south kind of had a team but it also like south had like edison and like henry kids playing too um because those schools couldn't field teams um for for many reasons and then it, it became like east and west and when I was in my junior, senior year, and then I guess it just became one Minneapolis team after that, which is like, I don't know, probably good. It's just like, it's, it's, it's very, very, very expensive. Ice time is very expensive, things like that too. And so it kind of prohibits a lot of like city kids from playing. And the really good city kids get recruited by Holy Angels, Benilde, Breck, Blake, you name it. hundred percent. They just, they just move, they move uh, addresses. <laughs> yes. So again, shout out to the city of Minneapolis, largest in said state for making the state tournament for the first time since 1994. Hey, let's go. Yes. We're going to dive into a pretty serious topic here. And <laughs> yes. this is something, Hard that, switch. Hard this switch is something that you topic. wanted to talk about, but I'm actually really happy that you did because not a lot of folks, specifically males, talk about this. Mental health in this space. And it's changed so much since we have grown up. I actually remember there are a lot of times where my father was like, you know, not okay to cry. It's you got to really just grow tough skin, never show what's going on in your insides. Did you face a lot of that? 
Yeah, um, and it's it's definitely interesting. And I know that we come from different backgrounds. And I was actually kind of curious, like like for you, like growing up in a Hispanic ha- like household, like how that was different than like me growing up in like a white household, and like how like the black culture is different. Like it's 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 kind of a universal problem with like men's health. Um, but like within that, there's different cultures that treat differently as well. Um, but when I was growing up, it was like. I had just so many feelings. I was a very like sensitive kid and like I yeah, like played sports and I played you know stuff growing up and I was also like sleeping with beanie babies and like I love stuffed animals and like I loved Lisa Frank. I, I mentioned it earlier but I fucking love Lisa Frank like and that was the thing is like it wasn't okay to like that stuff right because like you would you would just be ridiculed by your peers and this was like you know elementary school and it might be different now i'm not in elementary school obviously so i don't know but um yeah you would just get you would just get shit talked like and 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 it was like if you showed any sort of like compassion to others either right if like you were like nice to someone who like no one else was nice to it's like oh man now you're out ostracized right you're out you're the outcast um, but yeah, growing up, like, I, you know, and I remember one time specifically with like a Lisa Frank folder, like, you know, like I wanted one really bad and I was like, I'm not going to say anything. Like, I can't like let these dudes know that like, I want to have this like colorful folder, um, you know, grow- and growing up, like if you were a guy and, and you liked that kind of stuff, like all of a sudden, like you were gay. Right. And it was like, and that was when, and, and it might still be the case now, and I really hope it's not, but that was when it was like, people would use it like, like a derogatory fashion, like, oh man, like, oh, you're, you're kind of shunned now. Because if you like things that are traditionally feminine, okay, well now you're gay and you can't hang out with us. And, and that was like, you know, you, did, you didn't want to be called that, right? You didn't want to be called that. And it's like, now someone call me gay, I'm going to fuck, right? I wish I was as cool as my gay friends. But it's like, like that was at that time you were like, okay, like that's social, like social death, right? You don't want to be called that. Um, so like I had to hide a lot of that stuff growing up, like all of like the kind of like, you know, couldn't tell anybody that I had like a Beanie Baby collection and shit. I had so many, like 30. <laughs> Love the cats. They're so cute. I still have uh, one, a blue jay. I think his name is Rocket. That's in my parents' house. I still know he exists. So shout out Rocket. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was like, is it you, you really couldn't do, couldn't show that kind of yourself. And I think over time, um, like for myself and for others, that really takes a toll on you because it's like, you, you can't really feel comfortable expressing yourself fully, uh, because of just this, this fear, right. That you're going to be labeled, you know, as other and cast out and not be able to hang out with like the people that you want to hang out with. And so it's like, that's, that's really tough growing up. Um, so I did experience a lot of that growing up. Yeah. I don't know. Actually it has changed for the better over the last 30 to 35 years. I'll take a quick 20 second story and kind of how I grew up where, yeah, we definitely had to hide a lot of things and there was a lot of racial slurs going back and forth. And I had a lot of friends that were black Indian didn't matter. Like if, if we were going to insult one or the other, it actually became a racial thing. And that became common ground. We really didn't know better. I will fully admit my father will admit this. He was pretty, he was pretty racist for a long time. I'd say until about maybe 10 years ago where things started to soften up. And did you experience that a lot being in the inner city or just seeing that part of your surroundings? I definitely had to like adapt because it was like, if you wanted to fit in with like this group of like, you know, athletic kids, you had to, you know, act in this way. Right. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, it, and it came on, on all sides. And I think for us, it was like, 
okay, well, you know, if I want to get in with this group of football kids, well, a lot of them are listening, like a lot of them, like black kids listen to hip hop, like I want to listen to hip hop too. Um, and it's like, if you, again, if you were like, came into this, this scene and you were like, oh yeah, I'm listening to this music, they'd be like, oh, well, that's fucking stupid. Right. And it was the same way with like, with like white kids or whatever. And so it was like, I think when it's a male thing, I think like, and it's probably in women as well, but it's just like, we look at again, that other, that other piece of it. And we're kind of like, you know, trying to really shun each other based on like differences and like kids, we, we would always like in the kids growing up, like in a lot of my like guy friends would, that was kind of like how you endeared yourself to others as you talk shit about each other. Right. So it wasn't as much of a racial thing with, with, with us, but it was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, Chris bitch, or like, it was like, it was like, you, you would, you would like, you talk shit about each other. And that was kind of like how you were trying to like get along with each other. Um, and I was never into that. I, I, I hated that. Um, I would get really like sad. I, honestly, my feelings would get really hurt. Um, when people would like say some shit about me and that wasn't, I just, I didn't know to handle that. Right. And so it was like, I, it was, it was less of a racial thing with us, but it was just kind of like, a, oh yeah. Like, you know, you're you're soft or you're this or that it was again just this like demonization of like femininity or like things that people experience to be traditional feminism uh, feminism or femininity and it was like that was like a bad thing and you couldn't do that um and it was different in different areas right it was like if you were um you know especially with like with sports with like football basketball baseball especially in like a, a an a area that traditionally like these kids had like high you know it, there was like a high degree of, um, I don't know what I want to say, but like people wanted to be masculine in those areas. Testosterone. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely like the sports industry growing up or the sports, you know, like teams you were on there, the premium on masculinity was very, very high. So if you were doing anything that wasn't viewed as masculine, you were immediately roasted and that didn't feel good for me. Uh, and so that was like, okay, well I have to continue being a dick. I have to continue being an asshole because that's how I felt like, okay, this is how I'm going to get by. Um, and I had a lot of like uh, girlfriends when I was younger, like not romantically, but like when I was like first, second grade, like I really got along with women really well or girls really well. Um, and I think it was like, that was by the, the the logic of like second graders, like that was gay. So like, you know, it was like, so like, I was like, well, fuck Like I, if I want to hang, if I want to be accepted by this group of dudes, I have to now be an asshole to my friends that were girls. And I, like, I felt I did, I said like terrible things to them and I feel fucking terrible to this day about that kind of stuff. And like, I did that because I wanted to fit into this group and it was just know, it sucks. Like, it's just like, and it's not excuse for it, but it's like, why, why is that a thing? Like, why did it take me being mean to others who, who I actually care for and like putting that part of myself as a side to be accepted by this other group that I, you know, that I wanted to be cool with. Is there a light bulb or an experience that went off in your head that said, this is, this is wrong and kind of put you on the right path to change? Um, I mean, like, as far as, as far as like the masculinity concept, because I think, you know, cause like, you know, we could talk about the other mental health stuff too, but the masculinity thing was just like, I, I think it over time, you kind of just get a little bit more uh, comfortable. I think I got I think even until college, man, I was still like, still felt like I had to do this or that. Like, you know, um, your, your, your self-worth is defined by like how, like what weight you can lift and like how many girls you can have sex with. And it was like, that was your self-worth, right? If like, you know what I mean? Like dudes would be like counting 
right? We all, we all experienced this. All your friends that were, were homies, you had like a, a count, like how many girls have you slept with? And like, that was like a marker of progress in your masculine like life. And that's so fucking stupid to me. And it's just like, and that was, but that was part of it. It was like, oh, bro, like two girls. Wow. You're whack. It was kind of like that situation. It was like, why the fuck does that matter? You know what I mean? But that was how masculinity was viewed. It was like, okay, well, you have to be unfeeling towards these women. You have to be uncaring. You have to be desirable towards these women, but then also not engage with them emotionally, right? And so it was like, you had to do all these things. And that was, okay, he's a bro. He's cool now. And I was fucking, and, and like, you know what I mean? And it's just, so it was like, it was, it was kind of just this long process of me being like, okay, well, like, what have I done that's felt shitty? And um, I think in terms of my masculinity being comfortable in myself, it just took a very long time. And, and it took me, and I'm still not comfortable with it, like overall, like obviously I still go through things, but I think it was just like, okay, well, finding people that one, don't treat you that way, that like accept you for who you are and, and then make you feel comfortable. Um, I've, you know, started therapy obviously a while ago, like six years ago. And so like, I've, you know, been working with that too, but just learning from others, um, like uh, Justin Baldoni was actor and author. Like he has some great work on kind of like masculinity and, and what that means and how he, he grew up kind of uh, feeling that it was, um, you know, the traditional masculinity, traditional male ego was not for him and like how he felt, how, how alienated he felt. Um, you know, Jason Wilson, another author, he's got a lot of stuff going on as well. Same thing, kind of like this emotional incarceration of like how men aren't allowed to feel these things. Um, and so like, it was just kind of learning that stuff over a long period of time that helped. So I don't know if there's any one specific thing, um, but I'm sure I'm just, you know, anxious doing this podcast and forgetting a specific thing that I'm supposed to, you know, that I was thinking about earlier. So that's probably true. Have you thought about writing a book yourself at some point in time about not just your experiences, but others, and then maybe just sharing some of that knowledge with the rest of the world? This is my first, this is my first foray into sharing story, but I was, I was really excited. I did I, so, um, I mean, if we're talking, we can go on and talk about more about mental health too, but like, I've got, um, diagnosed anxiety, undiagnosed depression, um, but the anxiety it's just like a generalized anxiety, but like I didn't fall asleep to about 4 a.m. last night because I was thinking about this podcast. <laughs> so I was like, I was fucking wide awake, like just thinking about this. And so it's like, um, I think I when I when I when I was, but the reason why I was really excited to do this is too, is like I think that you know this could help a lot of people. Um, so I mean, I'm not, I mean, maybe not like uh confident enough or like self-righteous enough to think that I could write a book about this but obviously like if I did more research and, and had more life experience and, and felt like people could to really learn things from it then definitely but um as of now I feel like I'm not like an accomplished author or like accomplished like actor or like speaker so it's like I don't know but um yeah who knows I'll tell you I think you I mean, in terms of like first time authors as well they don't get there unless they actually physically do it and then it's recognized by a few other folks and then it gets thrown out there into the social media world or even just the world in general and that's how you get acclaimed. I, I really have no idea. I mean it's literally it's just you take those two, three, four first steps and then you just go into it. Just sure. do that. I'll, yeah, okay, thanks bud. Appreciate it. It's like everything Let's else go. that you've done in your life right yeah. now. It does take a single step forward. That's perfect. Half a but percent yeah. to one percent every single day. But yeah, um, and so like that was kind of my my process with masculinity growing up. Um, as far as like mental health goes, that's like a, a whole other thing. Um, 
it was kind of like, I, I, you know, I think we talked about a little bit how like, you know, growing up, you had this like emotional um, kind of like, uh, as Will, as Jason Wilson would say, like emotional incarceration, where it was like, I just felt like I couldn't really, you know, show this part of myself. Um, and I had friends here and there that were like a little bit less like douchebaggy, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, that I was able to kind of like talk to more. Um, but I think, I think I, there were some relationships that I definitely alienated um, subconsciously, obviously, because like, how do you expect an eight-year-old kid to have the emotional awareness to understand this stuff? You can't. Um, and so sometimes, you know, we feel like, oh man, if I would have just done this, or like, if I would have thought this way, it's like, yeah, but you can't expect yourself at that age to understand that, especially if you haven't been given the tools. Um, but yeah, there's definitely times that I, I sabotage relationships because I was just like, um, when I was younger as a kid, because I was like, oh, you know, I, I think I saw in other kids what I saw in myself and didn't like about myself. Right. So like if I had a relationship, like a friendship with like another boy who was like kind of like me in the sense that I kind of felt like they had more emotions and things like that. I think part of it like turned me off and was like. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I don't want to hang out with them. And I think it's because I've worked so hard to repress that side that when I saw that and recognized that in others, I was like, I, I felt, I was like, no, fuck this. Um, and didn't treat it with the same level of like reverence as I would from others. And I think that kind of, you know, led into like more um, affirmation seeking behavior when I, as I got older, but that's a whole other story, <laughs> uh, but we'll go into that. But yeah, so it's like, you know, I, I, I felt like I had no emotional outlet. My brother was older than me and like, again, love him, but he, he had his own life and he, you know, he didn't want to hang out with me as much because like, he's an older brother. Of course he doesn't want to hang out with me. Um, my parents had, again, love them very much. Shout out to my parents. Uh, but like they had a lot of marriage issues, like a lot of people, right? A lot of people have these issues. And at the time, you know, they would have a lot of like really heated verbal arguments, like really, really heated arguments back and forth, like in front of my brother and I, like at the dinner table. And it was just like that, that reflected a lot on, on my brother and I. I think I internalized that a lot. Um, so I would, you know, I would retreat down to my basement, listen to Lincoln Park, uh, that seemed to help a lot. Me and you have discussed that quite a bit, but it was like, you know, my, my mom, um, she had to kind of play two roles because I, although my dad was there for me in a lot of ways, like he would, my dad was an awesome person. Um, and he, he, like, he, you know, taught me how to play baseball and all that shit. Um, so it was really amazing. But, um, as my parents, like marital issues kind of got worse and worse, he kind of became very emotionally distant. And so like, I don't think I'd, I, I probably, when I was a kid, told my dad I loved him, but like, I don't remember telling my dad that I loved him until I was like 26. Um, and that was just like, that just wasn't a thing in our, in our house. Um, and like, we just didn't chat about that. So it's like, I didn't, I couldn't, 
you know, really, I didn't feel comfortable talking to him about anything, um, emotionally, at least at the time. Um, and so like my mom was kind of playing two roles of like, she was kind of like the disciplinarian and she was also like the, the, uh, like the caregiver as well. And, and, you know, they would have their fights and then she would try to get me to do something, but she was already like at a you know tiny fuse because she had this fight with my dad. So she tried to get me to do shit. And then I would be pissed and like, I would be upset and angry. And I didn't know why at the time, but I would just be angry at her. And I was angry at my dad. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't realize like, okay, well, this is the reason why it was like, I was just, I was just angry at the situation. And so I'd be a dick to her. I'd, you know, I'd yell at her and she'd yell at me. And I was just like, that was kind of our, our, that was kind of how I grew up for like three, four years. Um, I could be wrong in time, but it was, it, it felt like that, you know, and a lot of that stuff is like very like blurry to me. Um, a lot of my memory is very blurry. And I think it's because I, I struggle with that kind of stuff so much and, and, and depression and anxiety and, so like, you know, that marriage is going on, uh, that kind of stuff's going on. Um, I, my, I'm doing a lot of emotional outlets and um, I was very, very distraught. And I remember having a lot of feelings of like worthlessness and like, I, I didn't want to be around um, and like, I would fantasize um, like have these like suicidal ideations of like, okay, well, if I died, what would happen? Right. Like if I died, how people react um, and feeling like, like, like no one would react, like no one would care. And so that was kind of my, my reality for a while. And it was pretty dark. And there was one time I know in particular that I held like a knife to my wrist for a really long time. Um, and it, I don't know how long it was, whether that was like two minutes or 20 minutes. Uh, and ultimately, obviously I didn't do anything. Um, but that was kind of like a really low point for me. Uh, and I was like 12, 13 years old. So this kind of stuff, I think what's important to get out is like, this isn't like a thing that happens when you're like 16, 17, 18, 20, like this kind of stuff can develop really early. Um, and it's, it's a process. Um, and I think it's just important to like check in with like, I don't know kids and I don't really know how to like, you know, figure this stuff out. Like, I don't know if there, what signs there are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really tough for me for a long time and thankfully nothing happened. Um, and you know, my parents, eventually got better with their marriage, but it, I resented them for a while and maybe even subconsciously. And I still, I still love them and I, I still love them to this day. And, and now as I got older, I see them as human beings. And I realized that it was not personal. Like they were not trying to make my, like, my, you know, make everything tough on me. It was like, they, they didn't know how to process, you know, their, you know, their marriage falling apart and reconcile their love or lack of love for each other with my brother and I being a part of this. And they just didn't know. Um, and, but that's something that's, I realized after a lot of reflection and therapy and, and years and, and years of getting older. Um, yeah. Why do you feel that your father was such a distant person? Um, that's tough. I mean, he, and the more you learn about your parents, the more you kind of realize this, um, but it's this, it's, it's, you know, definitely a, a male thing. And I think his, his dad was very like, I mean, shitty, I guess I am. Um, his dad was at least verbally abusive, if not, emo if not physically. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it affected my, my dad and, and his brothers in, in similar ways. So I think that my dad, you know, maybe, you know, he was doing what he learned, right. Maybe when, when he was a kid that his dad was emotionally distant and, he was kind of reverting back to that. Um, and I think it's on all of us, especially as men. I mean, as everybody, but 
you know, in our regards to our conversation here as men to like, you know, identify and like do the reflection and identify the habits that we have and identify the patterns that we're falling into and then break those patterns if they're negative ones. Um, so that was really tough. Uh, it wasn't until years later um, that my, so I have an older cousin or I had an older cousin. He died um, a couple of years ago of a heroin overdose. And that's something I'm also passionate about is like essentially, you know, treating drug addiction as an issue and not something to vilify people about. But it, it, my dad talked about my cousin, you know, in my cousin's like diary and journal and reading what he wrote, what he's writing about himself, I just saw a lot of like that kind of similar, like, you know, sabotaging relationships because you feel shitty about yourself and not understanding how to process that and then do the requisite work um, to, to, to improve your own feelings about yourself. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of men grow up dealing with because we don't understand our emotions because we're told to never have them. So it's, you know, you can't be mad at yourself for not understanding the same time. It's like, okay, well then let's, let's figure out the work. Let's ask ourselves why questions and figure out like, okay, why, why did I, do I feel this way? Um, my dad, after, after my cousin died, he talked about my cousin and talked about himself. And it was in that moment. And this is like a couple of years ago that my brother and I were like, okay, my dad has depression or has gone through depression because the way he was saying these things really spoke a lot to emotions that I had dealt with growing up. And so it was, it was really crazy to think, cause that was a moment, like if we're talking about like single moments, that was a moment, I mean, 26, 27 years old, that I was like, okay, my dad's a human being. And he has dealt with a lot of shit growing up as well, that maybe he never knew how to process. And so that was a situation where like, okay, as men, we need to do a better job of addressing these issues and understanding these issues and figuring out why we feel it's okay to tell young kids that they don't, that they, that anger is the only way, correct way to process emotion, right? Because if you're pissed off when you're a kid, your dad's like, yeah, like, you know, let it out. That's your power. That's your, that's your power. Or like, that's your whatever. But if you're crying, if you're showing sadness or, or, you know, that's not okay. So there's, you know, there's no wonder why dudes grow up and fucking punch walls. And you know what I mean? Like, it's no wonder why that's the only way they know how to process emotion because it's been deeply ingrained in them since they were fucking five years old. Right. Um, So yeah, it was like, it was just, it was kind of all those things. And and I think, you know, my dad was just doing the best he could. Um, But when you are only taught to distance yourself emotionally and cut yourself off, like that's, that's what you're going to do. You know, this is really a broad question coming up though, but in the last five to 10 years, have you seen a change for the positive from a, mental health perspective and it becoming more normal to actually talk about it, especially on the male side of things. I think so. Um, and I, I, and I have a lot more, I have a lot of male friendships these days, um, including yourself. Shout out to you, Jesse. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, shout <laughs> out to myself on my own show. Thank you. <laughs> you have me on. Um, and I think, I think it's becoming a little bit more accepted. Um, again, I, I can't speak for like the wider society, but at least in like my circle, I feel like it's been more accepted, more accepting. Um, I do have friends that feel comfortable talking to me about this kind of stuff. And I really appreciate that. Cause I'm like, I'm glad that I can be someone that you feel comfortable opening up to. Cause I think a lot of people don't have that. A lot of dudes don't have that, or maybe not, maybe that they do, they don't know they do. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're kind of worried to bring up some emotional things like your buddy 
And so it's like, you just like, what do you do? You go to the fucking gym, right? You lift weights. And then you're like talking about the girl that you're, you know, stressed about, but you're like doing a bench press. So it's okay. So it's like, I feel like that's what it is. It's like guys look for a very specific method of unloading their emotions. And it's like, okay, we gotta be doing something like, we gotta be doing something masculine. We gotta be fucking lifting weights to like talk about our feelings. It's like so fucking stupid, but I love it. So, I mean, if that, if that's, if that's your start, that's awesome. Do that. Right. Like if, if that's the thing that helps you start processing, then by all means, let's do some bicep curls and talk about, you know, uh, you being frustrated that you didn't get your job that you wanted. Like, let's talk about that. Like let's during bicep curls. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, so I think there's been a general shift towards it. I'm really inspired sometimes when I see these, like, these protests by like high schoolers. I'm like, wow, these kids are fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like I'm really inspired to see these kind of things. And that's kind of more like a societal, um, you know, issue with like regarding to like race and like sexual identity and things like that. But it's just, it's good that it seems like these things are being talked about more um, in at younger ages, which is really important. And like, cause again, when we were in high school, this shit was not a thing. It was not a thing at all. You know what I mean? It was not talked about. Um, and so I, I do see, I do see a progression. And I think that's really, really important. Um, and like, just personally, I've, I've gone through a, a, lot, a large progression as well. Um, therapy has been really important. And I'm not saying that I've been in therapy every single week for five, you know, or for every single month for like five years. I've gone, you know, back and forth. Um, but that's been really helpful for me in just developing more confidence in, in, in my emotions and, and processing them and understanding why I feel the way I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to continue to be that way. But it's definitely something that like, you know, we need, need to do a better job of. And it, it's not just like, a, oh, yeah, we need to do a better job of it. It's like, OK, how are we going to do that? Right. Let's figure out how we're going to do it. Whether that is, you know, voting for local government that's going to put more money into like mental health programs. Whether that's like just talking about it more with your circle of friends and like making yourself available for for discussion and things like that. So it's like, you've got to take concrete steps to make that happen. It's not just like, oh yeah, like hashtag more mental health. It's like, okay, well, what the fuck is that going to do? Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And let's act on those things. Yes. I think that might be the next thing because as we all know, during the pandemic and it hit home here with racism and how, how do we end racism and Black Lives Matter, people shouting out All Lives Matter, and then getting into these serious discussions. But you had to make change by protesting. And lately we have seen, I believe, a half dozen officers now being penalized, thrown in prison for a long time for hate crimes that they've done. And it's been a tremendous change because this has been going on for centuries now. And now, I mean, we're, it's still in the minute stages. And do you feel that mental health, I mean, not comparing it to, but do you feel that it's kind of in the minor stages and maybe we're on a slow trajectory to break through those walls to be acceptable for males to talk about mental health? You know, I think so. Um, and then I also still hear stories of, of it happening. And I guess, that's always going to be the case, right? It's like, you know, progress is always slow. Like, it's not like all of a sudden, you know, tomorrow is like, oh, oh yeah, mental health is cured. And like, no one is suicidal anymore. It's like, that's not a case. Um, and like, suicide is like a whole different thing as well. Like, just because you're depressed doesn't mean you're suicidal. Just because you're suicidal doesn't mean you're depressed. So it's like, it's, 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 it's a very unique kind of like subset, different thing. Um, but I, my hope is that it is getting better. I know that people are feel like it is just more you know, okay to talk about, I guess. 
uh it, i think with men it's still kind of you know a niche thing or kind of like a a thing you don't really chat about too much um depending on the circles you're in as well um but i think that like a younger generation honestly just from what i've seen like social media and shit which is like not a lot um but it's just it just it does feel like it is kind of becoming just more of more uh, more thing to, to talk about and you mentioned the pandemic and of course obviously it's still ongoing but you know, you're talking about like the first lockdown that we had and i think uh you know back in march of 2021 nope 2020 <laughs> i guess that that's not an indication of like how all these last three years have gone is I don't know what it is. Yeah, I like, saw somebody today that I haven't like, seen in a little less than two years, and I didn't even recognize her, which was kind of funny. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's actually wild. It's just been like a fucking vacuum of time and space. Um, but yeah, so I think it's it's been being talked about more. Um, I know that like my personal journey started with a, uh, you know, as far as like really seeking help, was um, a friend of mine from high school uh, took his life uh, back in 2015. And that was, that was really jarring for me. Um, I, other people knew him better. Other people kept in better contact with him. But like, I, as soon as it happened, I just like had all his memories of like us talking on the phone and, you know, he was kind of like really stoked about fitness. Like he was like, I'm, you know, called, would call me and like, like, oh yeah, crow, I got a personal trainer. Like I'm super stoked. And I was like, you all his memories come back. And I, I was like, you know, I didn't really talk to him a lot the last like two or three years before he did it, um, before he died. And so I didn't know like what was going on at that time. Um, but when it happened, I thought to myself, like, this is a situation that I've been dealing with since I was 10, 11 years old. Um, that kind of stuff, I don't think ever really goes away. I think it just kind of like, it's kind of like grief where it's like, you know, um, your grief doesn't get smaller. You just kind of grow around it. Um, and so I think that with, with, with depression and, and, and feelings of, of hopelessness, right. And, and wanting to, you know, having like, you know, this, the suicide thing and just like kind of having like ideations of it. I think it, it becomes smaller and smaller. Like you grow around it, you get bigger and bigger, and bigger, and then you just never think about it again. Or like, maybe like comes up right now and then you're just like, Oh, well, I know what this is. Right. Let's like, Oh yeah. Like if I have, if I have this urge to drive into this fucking like lake, I know why I have the urge. I know what it is rather than, me being like dwelling on it right so the last time i think i had a thought of it was like 2018 it's been a long time um where it was like i was driving i was like driving next to a lake and i was like should i just fucking do like throw in the lake right and it was like a very quick thought and i was like you know what this is why it's happening this is why this is why i had that idea and then it's gone so i'm like i'm fine right because but that's doing the work around it um but and that journey started from from um, my friend, uh, Andrew who died and I was just like, Hey, you know, this could happen. I, you know, what's, what's to stop me from doing this. Like if I don't get the handle on this, um, and it just felt like it just hit so close to home. And I just felt so bad, uh, for like the people that knew him. Cause we all loved him. Like he was absolutely amazing. You know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, that really kind of motivated me, I guess. And like, a, I mean, I, I, it's just a fucked up way, but it motivated me to, to seek help and to then talk about like, okay, you know, how can I help myself and, and get myself along this path? And so like, I, I get really choked up. Cause like, I feel like every, everything that I learned from therapy or everything that I learned from my six years of doing this and just like getting better in mental health and like all the advocate, like the people that I can help reach out to, um, like it's because of him, right. That this happened. 
And so I just, I just, the, the more people talk about it, the more people do it, the more people, you know, discuss these things and make themselves available. I'm hoping that like situations like that, like just get less and less and less and, and people, you know, um, even if they do experience feelings of hopelessness and not wanting to be around, they, they have better outlets for it and they have better ways of processing those emotions. Um, and they don't feel so alone. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. And that's kind of like my goal, I guess. Let's close with this on this topic before we get into your fun five questions. <laughs> the fun five questions. They are fun. Yeah. So outside of, of course, communication and therapy, can you give the folks out there a couple of other examples or outlets that they can improve their mental health? It's a really good question. Um, I think... I think it's really individual. Um, a lot of people, some people are very, very creative and they really just like love sitting down and making music or like writing things or, or, um, or, um, you know, painting or drawing or whatever. Uh, and I think that one thing that helps a lot is like, just honestly writing down your thoughts, your thoughts and feelings. And like, yeah, it's like, it, it's there's some, some people that maybe have like a hyper masculine perspective might be like writing down my thoughts and feelings. Wow. That sounds fucking lame. But it really is really, really, really important and truly really helpful um, because like. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. As someone with anxiety, if I think about something, I will think, think about it on a fucking loop, right? If I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to keep thinking about that over and over and over and over again. And it does nothing but make it worse because you're, you're have a, vicious, a feedback loop. Um, Mark Manson, an author, would say like a vicious feedback loop where it's like you feel bad. So you feel bad about feeling bad. Well, then that makes you feel bad. And so, so you keep going on. And so writing down things can really, really help just writing down your thoughts like you're writing down a diary or journal, honestly. Um, exercise is also something that like people do for their mental health. It feels they, um, you know, just getting like moving their body and giving themselves a sense of confidence. I think a lot of people struggle with mental health. Like they don't feel confident in their own bodies. And so like, if you can be like, oh, wow, I'm going up in weight, I'm lifting heavier weights, I'm running faster, I'm working harder. Like that's a huge, huge confidence boost and can help people like process why they feel certain ways. Um, full disclosure at the end of like 16.1, which was like 2016, CrossFit open workout number one, I just fucking started bawling, uh, crying because it was the first time that like I told myself that I could do something versus when I couldn't do something. Right. Um, cause you always tell yourself like, Oh, you can't do that. Like, Oh, you're not going to be able to do that. Oh, that's, that's too, that's too much weight. Like you're not, you're not strong enough. You're not fast enough, whatever. Um, and then to have that like constant, like negative self-talk. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, yeah, I can do this. Like why, why can't I do it? Um, that was a big emotional release for me. And I'm sure my judge was very confused while I was crying. Um, but maybe that's not a, 
a, a that's not a wild reaction to a crossfit workout perhaps <laughs> who was your judge uh i don't know he's not a night i don't know well uh, i won't say but uh he's no longer there but uh that was yeah that was a long time ago good to know yeah i'm yeah i'm probably sure you're you're spinning your wheels in your head right now but but yeah so like um, all those things can really help. Um, just finding what works for you, finding what needs works for you, understanding that like you are allowed to have all these interests and like you don't need to be like, oh, I need to exercise to process my emotions. Like, no, you can fucking do something else, right? It's like you can do whatever feels best for you. And honestly, just talking to people helps it sometimes. Um, like even just doing this podcast, like talking to you on the microphone like is like a therapy session. So it's like is being able to to give words to those things and a lot of the times speaking things out loud you'll realize how crazy it sounds so it's like if you're feeling really self-conscious and like and like you're kind of talking shit about yourself right because we all do we all have negative self-talk saying those things out loud um you kind of start to realize okay actually this is kind of silly right um, um what my therapist would always say was like shout out my therapist, whose name is also Aaron. So, <laughs> but he, he would say like, talk to yourself, like you talk to others because like the golden rule is like, oh yeah, do on others as you have done, done to you. And which is makes sense. There's also another one where it's like, you know, you wouldn't talk to your friend or your, you know, loved one, the way you talk to yourself sometimes. Like, like you would call, you might call yourself a stupid bitch, but you're not going to call your mom a stupid bitch. Right. At least you are I, not. Fucking, I hope so. Right. So like, you wouldn't talk to other people the way that you talk to yourself. So like, why do you talk to yourself that way? Right. So I think that like having that mindset can help a lot too. I'm just feel like, yeah, like, and when you say that out loud, like all of a sudden it's like, wow, you're not going to say that about yourself out loud. You know what I mean? No, you're hundred percent right. We're going to shout out one more Aaron. Cause she walked out the door 20 minutes ago. Goodbye, Aaron Engel. Have a good day. Shout out Aaron Engel. She's jacked. Let's do it. Uh, there's so we've <laughs> so many now, errands. I know. I think we've mentioned four on this podcast alone. How many? How many? How many more errands can we? Okay, my. Uh, so I play Dungeons and Dragons every Sunday. My DM's name is Aaron. Shout Aaron DM. Anybody? Aaron Gobra. Aaron. Anybody? Everybody listening to this podcast name is Aaron. Shout out y'all. You're doing my sister in law. Yes, Aaron Velasquez. Shout, shout out shout to out. you. <laughs> shout out Aaron Velasquez. Let's go. My thoughts exactly. Who happy? Well, obviously his birthday was just two weeks ago. My nephew, you're in two weeks today. Love it. It's a good yeah. age. Good now age. we get to get into some five fun ones. I actually came up with a very creative one for the second. So, oh, snap. number one, you are full of songs and playlists. Do you have a go to either song or playlist that you hit up more often than others? So, like, Jesse, you've caught on to the fact that I have varying musical interests. Um, so I'm on Spotify. Go follow me. Uh, <laughs> so like my my Under master header, yes my my master like house list is like let's name this one house bangers. That's like my master kind of like you know like a little bit more upbeat house music. I've also got hip hop hump day, which is like uh, which is my Wednesday playlist. It's 22 hours. Um, so every Wednesday I like hip hop hump day. It's all edited. So I think for the most part there's like one or two songs where I have like the F word in or something like that. Um, but it's all edited because like I, as a white guy, I don't want to play a song that says the N word over and over and over again to like a majority white audience. I feel like that's kind of fucked up. Like if I'm just like dancing to that shit, like I don't want to be that kind of guy. So, um, I'm with you so yeah, so it's all edited. Um, but yeah, when, like when I'm by myself, depends on what I'm doing. If I'm like lifting, like if I'm just trying to like, you know, get jacked and lift weights, I'm probably listening to either like, like more kind of like less reputable hip hop. <laughs> let's call it that right or i'm listening to like just metal that has like no lyrics and just just like i can kind of tune out and just kind of go but yeah so like 
go to song man i don't know anything share no, i'm just kidding uh <laughs> no 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 um but i don't know i i don't have a song like go-to song um there is one thing though like if i'm trying to like squat like a heavy weight and like i had like one attempt to edit or something like that um if you ever have seen the show if anybody's seen the show attack on titan which is an anime um they have one of the greatest soundtracks to anything i've ever heard in my life and there's one song literally says attack on titan like two and a half minutes and like the beat drops and it's just a fucking banger it's great <laughs> so like if, if someone's trying to give me like one rep max like, i'm listening to that song that is your answer in roundabout form Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my favorite question that I'm going to ask. Your initial reaction if somebody told you right now that the earth is flat. Stop. 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 Stop it. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm going to throw that one in there from time to time now. Question three. What is the most overrated exercise in the fitness world? So if you've followed Jordan Syatt on Instagram, uh, usually oh, a pretty yes. good follow. Yeah, he's pretty pretty good coach. Um uh, very good mind, but yeah, like he's doing a, a series right now of like 10 kind of like useless exercises, overrated ones. Um, I think it depends. I think everybody has kind of like, uh, you know, specific goals. So it's tough to say like, oh yeah, this exercise is overrated because it might work for someone. But at the same time, um, I think overrated exercise is probably just easy one, like burpees, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good way to get your heart rate up but it can also, it can also be like really, like really, really easily lead to injury risk, things like that too. If someone has like really immobile, like hips and ankles. Um, so I really tell people like, if you can't bring your feet to your hands and have your foot planted for burpees, let's see if we can just step instead of hop. Right. Because we don't want to, you know, I've, I've had people, unfortunately, um, you know, in my presence, uh, tear their Achilles doing burpees. And I'm like, that's that happened. Yeah. And, 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 and there, you know, con- there are variables that went, that went on to this. Um, I had, I had kind of told them or, or suggested to do a different movement and they did not uh, listen to my suggestion and it is what it is. Um, but I hope they're doing really well now, but yeah, it's like, this kind of stuff. It's like, do you really need to do burpees now? You know what I mean? Overrated, I guess. I'm, I'm speechless for the first time, maybe ever uh, a tearing an Achilles doing a burpee. Yeah. Uh, I felt really bad, um, about it, but I, I, I wish they had listened to me, but, and that's the thing as a coach, like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into a whole like lengthy diatribe here, but like, you can only do so much sometimes, like sometimes people just don't want to fucking listen to you. You know what I mean? It is what it is, I guess. As I did my hundreds of burpees yesterday, I executed <laughs> proper form on all of them. If you yeah. consider it that, yes. Well, it's, it's kind of one of those exercises. I think it gets dangerous when it's like, everybody kind of knows what they look like. So it's very easy to then have shitty form because like, if you don't know what a, you know, a split stance, low row, or like a thruster looks like you are more curious about form. So you'll actually like ask and, and, and engage with the coach. But like, if you, an exercise like a burpee, like everybody kind of feels like they know what it looks like. So they'll do it regardless of how it actually looks. I'm not going to seek out your help or input for it. We'll no rep you or just tell you you're doing it. (laughs) Yes. Question four. I know you have traveled a little bit recently. What's your favorite city you've ever visited? Um, as a Francophile, I guess maybe like, um, I, I really enjoy, uh, man, I've been to Arles in France, which is beautiful. It's like a kind of like castle. There's a castle outside of it. It's kind of like an older city, um, in the South of France. Um, I just got back from La Rochelle, which is Western France, which is where my dad's family, um, 
originated from. So any Boudreaux listening to this, we're probably related. Shout out to all the Boudreaux listening to this. Um, we're probably all related in some way, but they came from that region. That's a really cool uh, city to visit. Um, Montréal, uh, Quebec City, super beautiful um, up there. I was in the summer, so I imagine the winter is a little bit more, a little bit more difficult, but love that area. Uh, yeah, man. And honestly, like, I mean, I've been to Colorado a couple of times. My brother lives out there and we climbed Lily Mountain at one point, I think. Um, I can't remember the, 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 the park, but like that area was really beautiful too. Um, I don't remember the actual city name, but that was really cool. Um, so probably one of those three, but, uh, I love all the cities, a little mall. As I just heard some MLB theme music in my head, I was just going to Google Lily Mountain fast and then we'll go from there. Lily Mountain Trail. Estes State Park. There we go. That is correct. Yes, I just thought of it. Well, Estes State Park. All right. Yeah. Shout, shout out as we've done all hour long to Estes State Park. <laughs> so Your shouts. final. I know. Go that's ahead. My favorite, that's like my, my favorite part of a, like a rap song. It's like the last minute they're just shouting people out. I'm like, yes, I love this. <laughs> like there's yelling out street names. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Yes, it happens more often than not these days. Your final question, Croy, is your favorite purchase under a hundred bucks this year? Um, I mean, useful purchase. This microphone is under a hundred bucks. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, man, I don't know. I, I've been buying a lot of books lately. Um, so anything about that, I've been getting trying to, so I've been trying to get into like, because I think, uh, so I'm a big mythology nerd and I love that kind of shit. Um, but I think like, as most of our society, it's very easy to have a very Eurocentric like view of mythology. So like I can tell you about like the Ulster cycle in Irish mythology or like, you know, um, you know, Loki being all sorts of crazy, but I couldn't tell you Yoruba myth. Like I couldn't tell you about the Orishas or like Anansi, um, like the spider trickster God. I couldn't tell you those stories. And so I'm trying to get more involved in that kind of stuff. So like I've bought more books about uh, like, um, West African mythology specifically. So I'm interested in reading those. And those are all, those have all been under a hundred dollars, thankfully. Books are a great thing. And yes, the vast majority of them out there are under a hundred bucks. <laughs> majority Ed of them. Education outside of America is free. True. Well, some degree. Yeah. Yes. On your way out, Croy, promote social media and, of course, projects because you've been a humongous advocate for mental health, obviously, on said podcast today. So all of which you promote today. We'll go under the header. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I really don't post anything. So like, <laughs> like of any value, really, it's mostly just thirst traps and dogs. Um, so proud to do it, though. But that's that's about it. Um but yeah, so, and then I'm also, you know, coach at Orange Theory Fitness, come on in for a free workout if you want to okay, work out. Otherwise, um, I think the biggest thing that I want to kind of just part with is just like understanding, um, like as, as, as men specifically, but also as women or wherever you fall in the gender spectrum, like, you know, we all have to do our own work. Um, it's, it's not your fault if you had, you know, a, a terrible upbringing, things like that happen to you, but it is our responsibility to then try to identify what patterns we fall into and identify kind of like what is negatively impacting our lives that we have control over. And we have control over a lot. And I think taking responsibility is a huge thing individually. Um, but I mean, specifically to men, like we got to stop telling each other that, you know, we don't, we can't feel, we got to stop telling each other that, you know, it's, 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 you know, not okay to, to cry and things like that too, because like, it's, it's just, you know, never going to, 
lead to anything positive. They're going to have shitty relationships with your friends. You know, shitty relationships with any sort of like significant other. They're going to treat women worse because they're going to demonize femininity. Like that's not the fuck that shit. Like, come on. So I just think in general, like it's, it's up to us to do the work and put that in that's going to, you know, improve overall. And I think if we all individually start doing that and just make ourselves more open, I think that's going to be uh, better for you know society as a whole eventually. So um, just be good to yourself first and foremost. Um, Cause like guys, I think too, we have trouble like um, giving ourselves credit for anything and, 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 and giving ourselves love. Cause we feel like that's kind of like weird because maybe, maybe we haven't been shown love by, by like our male figures in our lives. So show yourself some love, um, do right by yourself and, and then share that love with others. Pent up emotion can lead to volcanic eruptions and it's not just for you, but also those around you. And you just mentioned it, all the relationships it can carry over. So be careful and be aware have these conversations, do right by yourself. And like you said, knowledge, investigate what's going on. I think that's important. That's the message you're relaying. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't, you know, therapy's not for everybody. I understand that. Um, but if you have the means and I understand again, it's very expensive. Um, if you don't have insurance and insurance is not easy. Um, but if you have the means, it's definitely worth investing in. Um, yeah. Excellent way to close. JCV Wellness on Instagram. Google, Apple, Spotify is where you can find said show. Any other closing thoughts, Corey Boudreau? Um, yeah, man. I, just, I honestly, Jesse, I just want to really, uh, I just wanted to say thank you, and I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I know that my name, like, no one's gonna be scrolling and be like, "Oh, Croy Boudreau." This, like, I know this dude. Like, no one fucking knows me. Um, so I appreciate that that you're willing to have me on um, and just engage with me and engage in this conversation. And I think that shows a lot about who you are. So I really appreciate that. This is going to open up some eyes and some eardrums to the topic that you brought to the table today. So that really makes me happy. And I will say this as well as a positive beacon of light here. So before you, the person who had the quote unquote least amount of followers on Instagram has had the most downloaded podcast I've ever done. Well, Let's keep that trend going, dude. <laughs> let's, let's let's keep it going. I uh, yeah, I uh, I'm not a social media savant. That is for damn sure. Word travels far, especially when the content is great, and you brought a lot to the table. So I hope that you can continue to spread this message elsewhere because it is an extremely overlooked topic, as we have talked about all hour long. Well, thank you, sir. Um, eventually, I will uh, stop wrangling and get my thoughts in a coherent structure and be able to present them thoroughly. So there we go. <laughs> Bam. You know, public <laughs> speaking will be in your future. Just work on it. I did take one class in college, so here we go. Yep. <laughs> Keep it going, Croy. And for Croy Boudreau, my name is Jesse Velasquez. That has been episode 57 of Unplugged and Undeniable. We will see you on the website.